The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another Western Wednesday. Today we have a special Gunsmoke for you, written by series producer Norm MacDonald. Now, Norm MacDonald didn't write a lot of different scripts. This is his very first script for Gunsmoke. And you can get a chance to see what kind of a writer he is. At this point, I think he knew the show well enough that he thought he could write it. And so we have this fun episode. Very great sound quality on both of these shows today. Our second show, of course, is Jimmy Stewart in The Six Shooter. And it's one of the episodes that I like the best. It's kind of a Twilight Zone-esque episode that I think you'll enjoy. So two interesting episodes for sure today. Now, we're going to switch gears here for a second. And I'm going to tell you that um, our podcasts need more donations. I've had some people donating recently, and I thank you so very much. It's 2017. It's that time of year when we ask for donations. Usually I ask it about November. And um, you can donate at any level you want, from $1 a month for a subscription to, I think I have $15 a month is my highest subscription. And anywhere in between, you get all different access to different um, episodes and different... um, archives of my podcasts and of the shows themselves you can look if you go to buckbenny.com on the right hand side you can kind of scroll down at the different um, pull down menus and see what we have to offer we have one-time donations if you want I kind of prefer a subscription just because the subscription keeps going um, into the future and it makes it more reasonable for you folks only being a few dollars a month instead of having to fork out over 50 60 70 dollars whatever for a whole year this way you can do it slowly and um, you can decide whatever level fits for you of course our podcasts are always free but in order to keep them running we need some folks to um, donate money and the more of you that donate um, the better off we are and and the um, the less everybody has to donate I would love to see everybody donate at the $1 level. It would be fantastic. If you're going to do a $1 level, though, I ask you to go and do it on Patreon. There'll be a button that says Patreon. You can go there and donate at the $1 level. If you're going to donate um, anything more than that, you can either use Patreon or you can use PayPal, whichever you prefer. Um, Patreon probably being a little bit better because they kind of lump all the money together and before they take their cut. And so I end up... um, we get a little bit more money in the podcast that way than going through PayPal. But any way you want is just fine. Anyway, without further ado, let's get on with the episodes. I think you're really going to enjoy this week. Around. 
around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Hello, anyone here? Yeah, be right out. I was just in the... Oh, hello, Marshal Dillon. Hello, Ben. How are you? That shipment come in from St. Louis? He came in on the morning train, Marshal. I was going to send the boy over to tell you. What, have you seen it yet? I haven't had a chance to open it up. Here it is. Oh, good. Well, let's see how it looks. Huh? All right. There it is. Prettiest gold watch chain I ever did see. <laughs> Oh, Chester will like that. Yeah. And look at the gleam on that elk's tooth. Yeah. Uh, Chester know you're getting this for him? Oh, no, no. It's by way of a surprise. He thinks he's got a birthday this month sometime. Saturday's about the middle of the month, so I figure it's as good a day as any. Hey, give it. Good yeah, morning, Miss Tara. Oh, morning, Ben. Uh, Marshal Dillon. Morning, Tara. Oh, oh, how beautiful. Is it yours, Marshal? Oh, no, no, no. It's for Chester. He's always wanted one. Oh, it's lovely. Uh, ben, mm -hmm. did my hand mirror arrive? Yeah, it came in this morning, Miss Tara. Uh, can I take it now? Well, I don't know why not. It's paid for. Here. Uh, Careful now, Miss Tara. Came all the way from Boston, so don't drop it. Oh, I won't. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ben. Uh, goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Marshal Dillon. Goodbye, Tara. Goodbye. <laughs> That's a mighty pretty girl, Ben. Yes, sir. Yeah. She's blossomed out since I saw her last. Well, what owe you, Ben? Oh, be just about four dollars, Marshal. Four dollars, huh? Yeah. There we are, four dollars. Thank you, Marshal. And uh, give Chester my regards. I'll do that, Ben. Ah, oh, morning, Miss Lane. Morning, Marshal. Morning. Morning, Marshal. Hello, John. Oh, hello, Marshal. Good morning, Chester. Well, morning, Mr. Dillon. Uh, put this in the safe for me, will you? Yes, sir. How was the auction yesterday? You know, Mr. Dillon, I never did see so many horses and mules. <laughs> you buy anything? No, sir, Mr. Dillon. But Asa Welton bought that old stud horse off Mr. McGovern. No, is that so? Yeah. You know, I feel sorry for poor old Asa. Why, that stud horse has got a ring bone so bad he can't hardly walk. <laughs> well, Asa isn't very smart when it comes to horses, I'm afraid. No, sir, he ain't. And I purely hate to see him lose good money on a horse like that. Why, he paid $19 for that horse. Oh? 
Well, he'll make out if the stud can get him some colts. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, I guess. That is, if he's got a mare. <laughs> yes, Chester, if he's got a mare. And if he don't, well, sir, I just don't know. My. Chester, this evening I'm going to have supper with Kitty over at Dodge House. Will you stay here? There's no work to do, but uh, you could keep an eye on things, huh? Well, I'd be proud, Mr. Dillon. More coffee, Kitty? Uh, no, thanks, Matt. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, mind if I smoke? Oh, <laughs> those are the longest cigars I ever saw. <laughs> well, if it bothers <laughs> Matt, you, I don't have... six nights a week at the Texas Trail, and you think I'd mind one cigar? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Matt. What? There's something been troubling me. Oh, what's that? Well, I wanted to have supper here so we could talk. Well, what is it, Kitty? Almost four months ago, you and Chester brought a little girl back into town. Daddy was dead, out on the plains. You brought her back because she couldn't stay out there alone. Well, go on. She was real sweet. Young, I guess maybe 17. You're talking about Tara Hantry. Yeah, man. I saw her over at the general store this morning. What about her? Well, she's hanging around the Texas Trail, Matt. I see her there all the time, afternoons, evenings. Oh? Well, why are you telling me this, Kitty? Well, it's no place for a girl. Not a young girl, not a girl like Tara. I don't have any say about how Kate runs the Texas Trail. If they don't want Tara in the place, Kate should keep her out. Well, Kate won't keep her out. Why should she? Tara's attractive. She's good for business. Kitty, when I brought Tara back to Dodge, Lawrence Kells and his wife took her in. They've been treating her like their own daughter. Now, it, it's not my place to interfere well, with Well, maybe them. they don't know, Matt. They're church-going people, Kitty, Kells and his wife. They try to do what's right for Tara. I'm sure they do. Matt, people like the Kells don't know the Texas Trail. They don't know the saddle bums, the spoilers, the wild ones that hang out there. Even if they did, they wouldn't see... Too much wrong with the man Tara's taken up with. Well, who is it? Jack Grace. Jack Grace? Yeah. Tara's keeping company with him? She has been since he came to town a few weeks back. Oh, that little fool. Well, don't blame her too much, Matt. He cuts quite a figure. Long hair, buckskin shirt, Texas spurs. She's young, and his stories make for good listening. Yeah. Matt, I- I've talked with Grace... And there's something wrong with him. He's too cold, like he's dead inside. He can charm you with a, a smile, and he talks just fine, almost almost like a gentleman. But there's nothing inside him, Matt. He, he, he's empty, like a shell. All right. What do you want me to do, Kitty? Thank you, Matt. Talk to the Kells. All right. Tomorrow morning. I promise. Morning, Marshal Dillon. Good morning, Tara. 
We're having some lemonade. Won't you join us? Uh, well, uh, I came looking for Mr. Kells. Uh, they're both down at the church, uh, getting ready for the social tomorrow night. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Marshal Dillon, have you met Mr. Grace? Mr. Grace? I know of you, Marshal Dillon. Down around Waco, several of the boys speak of you. No. Uh, uh, what did you want to see the kills about, Marshal Dillon? Uh, maybe I could help you. I think I should talk to them, Tara. It's a matter of business. About Mr. Kell's business? The buffalo hides? Uh, no, no, no. It's another sort of thing. I, I better come back, Tara. They, they'll be home later. <laughs> well, you, you know how these church socials take planning. It, it may be late. Yeah, well, well, I'll come back then. Sorry you won't join us, Marshal. Thank you anyway, Mr. Grace. I'll walk you to the gate, Marshal. Oh, fine. I'll be seeing you again, Marshal Dillon. Maybe, Mr. Grace. I know why you came here today, Marshal. I know why you wanted to see the Kells. You do, Tara? It's about me and Jack Grace, isn't it? This isn't the time to talk about it, Tara. It's a fine time to talk about it. Now, look, Tara... The busybodies in this town sent you over here. They don't like my keeping company with Jack. Isn't that right? They're not busybodies, Tara. They're people who are fond of you. Older than you and know more about Jack Grace than you do. Blue-nosed old gossip. Now, Tara, listen to me. No, you listen to me. For as long back as I can remember, Pa and me worked that dried-up old homestead. Alone after Ma died. It killed Pa. Came near to killing me. Look, when I brought you into Dodge, the Kells took you in. They treated you like their own daughter. Mr. Kells is a wealthy man. He's given you everything he can. And I'm grateful to him. He's tried hard to do all the things Pa would have done if the planes hadn't killed him. But he still can't give me the love and excitement and fun Jack Grace can. Oh, Tara, so help me. If you were two years younger, I'd put you across my knee and slap some sense into you. Now, if you hurt the Kells because of Jack Grace, or if you get yourself in trouble, I'm going to forget about this. I didn't know better. I'd say it was a lover's spat. I'll be back later, Tara. There isn't much point in that, Marshal Dillon. From what I could hear on the porch, Miss Tara seems to have said what she thinks real plain. I'll be back later, Tara. Will you tell him? I don't know why you bother, Marshal. If the Kells are ones to worry about loose reputations, they might not pay too much attention to you. What are you getting at? A U.S. Marshal who... Sniffs around one of the girls at the Texas Trail isn't in the best of company, and after all, everyone knows a kitty is... Now get up. And if I ever hear you've mentioned kitty again, I'll come after you. Why don't you do that? I will. Good day, Tara. Oh, Jack, I'll call back for you later this afternoon. I'm sorry, Tara. I didn't mean for this to happen. You're just a big, blundering, stupid bully. Tara, please. And, and if you mess up the one thing that means happiness for me, I'll help him kill you. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, mist-reminded? Then mind you don't miss CBS Radio's Mr. Chameleon on the first of his new Friday night broadcasts tonight on most of these same CBS radio stations.
Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Chester told me you wanted to see me, Mr. Dillon. Uh, yes, Mr. Kells. Uh, won't you sit down, please? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Hope it won't take too long. Gretchen and I are in charge of the box store tonight, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be too late. Well, it may take a few minutes, Mr. Kells. It's, uh, it's important. Oh? It's about Tara. And Jack Grace. You know about it, then? I've known about it ever since she came to town three weeks ago. They met, heaven knows where or how, and she's been seeing him most every day since. You know where she spends her time? At the Texas Trail. Yes, I know. Gretchen and I have tried every way we know, Marshal Dillon. We both talk with Tara, but she's young and headstrong. I don't know what to do. I think she'd run away with him if we interfered again. Mr. Kells is Marshal. This is no affair of mine, but as someone who's fond of Tara and... Well, I... I, I, I wish you'd try talking with her again. Well, we'll do everything we can. I promise you that. Perhaps, uh, perhaps Grace will get tired of her and leave Dodge. Uh, perhaps. Well, anyhow, you know I'll sure try. Yeah. Well, well, thank you very much for coming over here, Mr. Kelly. Sure, Marshal. You're going to be at the social tonight, aren't you? Oh, sure, sure. Chester and I'll be there. Chester'd be real upset to miss it. Good. We'll see you there. Okay, fine. Dylan, uh, this is Miss Honeycutt. How do you? I'm proud to know you, ma'am. I, I bought her supper box. Did you bid on any supper boxes, Mr. Dillon? Uh, no, Chester. I was late getting here. Oh, so that's I... pity. Now, what do you do for supper? Oh, I'll make out all right. Well, there's really enough for the three of us, Marshal, if you care to join us. Well, thank you, Miss Honeycutt, but uh, I'm looking for Mr. and Miss Kells. Oh, they're not here yet. The parson was asking for them a few minutes ago. Mr. Kells was to have auctioned off the suppers, but they didn't come, so we went ahead without them. Oh? You sure you won't join us, Marshal? Uh, no, thank you, ma'am. I'll just wait for the Kells. Perhaps I'll walk back toward their place and meet them on the way. Well, all right, Mr. Dillon. Uh, Miss Honeycutt and I'll be right over there if you need me. I don't think I will, Chester. You just go ahead and enjoy yourself. Real pleased to meet you, Nice Marshall. to have met you, Miss Honeycutt. Mind that bench, Miss oh, Honeycutt. yes, thank you. Oh, hello, Kitty. You leaving the party before I get there? Uh, no, no. I was just walking back toward the Kells place. They're not at the social yet, and this might be a good chance to talk to them. Oh, all right, if I come with you. Well, sure. I had a talk with Mr. Kells this afternoon. Yeah? Yeah. He knows all about Tara and Grace. Has known for a long time. Well, what's he going to do about it, man? He doesn't know what to do. Neither do I, Kitty. Look, Kitty, you're a woman. You, you know about these things. You don't tell a woman she shouldn't love some man, do you? No. No, you don't. Kells has tried hard. He's done everything he can. Well, he's a wealthy man. 
He could send her east for a few months on a visit. St. Louis, maybe. To forget Grace? Yeah. Would it do any good? No. Oh, there's the house. It's dark. Maybe we passed him. No, I don't think so. Here. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Matt. Kitty? Yeah? Uh, maybe you better wait here, huh? Matt, what is it? The house shouldn't be dark. We didn't pass him. What are you going to do? I'm going inside. I'll come with you. All right, come on. The door's open. Oh, Matt. Matt, look. Stay here, Kitty. Shot, both of them. Oh. No wonder they were late for the auction. Kitty, go back to the church social. Find Chester. Have him meet me at the jail. Tell Doc to come over here. What are you going to do, Matt? I don't know. Look around, maybe. Why this? What for? Who knows why people kill, Kitty? Money, maybe. I don't know. But who'd do it, Matt? Who'd kill the Kells? Someone who hated them enough or thought they had something he wanted. Bad. Real bad. Grace? Will you please get Chester and Doc? Yeah. Yeah. Tara? Tara, are you all right? It's Matt Dillon, Tara. Are you hurt bad? Who did it, Tara? Do you know? Yes. Yes, I know. Well, who was it? Was it Grace? Oh, Matt. Matt. What happened, Tara? Tara. Kells was waiting for him when, when Jack came for me. Mr. Kells wanted to talk with Jack, he said, and... and oh. Well, go on. I don't know. I don't know. I can't help if you don't tell me what happened. But when Jack came, there was an argument. Mr. Kells told Jack to go away, leave me alone. Told him not to come back. Jack laughed, called Mr. Kells a name, and Miss Kells slapped him. Then Jack hit her. Mr. Kells tried to get his rifle in the corner, and Jack... Jack... Yeah? He shot him. He shot both of them. Then he turned and said it wouldn't have worked out for us. He was leaving. Just like that. He was leaving. 
You see, you'd be nothing but trouble, he said. I'm leaving, he said. Then he hit me. And... <laughs> Doc will be here in a few minutes, Tara. He'll take care of you. You want me to go with you, Mr. Dillon? No, you stay here. Get me that Winchester, will you? Yes, sir. Here you are. Thank you. How do you figure to trail him at night, Mr. Dillon? I don't. I'm taking a guess, that's all. Do you know where he's going? Like I say, it's a guess. It won't be back to Texas. He's wanted there. It might be Abilene. Ben Thompson would cover for him there. He'll have an hour or more start on you, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, I know, but I figure to take the back country and ride hard. Maybe I'll cut his sign by morning. You'll be riding three miles to his one. I'll take the buckskin. He can last. Yes, you. Don't you even want me to follow you? I should be back by tomorrow night. You stay here and help Kitty and Doc with everything. And take good care of the girl. She needs help. Yes, sir. Good luck, Mr. Dillon. can't see me, don't bother to try. Just drop your gun belt. Easy. And your rifle. Throw it down. Now keep your hands high, just like they are. You travel fast, Dylan. I didn't waste time getting to here. I know this country better than you, Grace. Roads aren't always straight. Even so, that buckskin of yours must be quite a piece of horse. He is. We'll be starting back right quick, but meanwhile, you just sit tall right where you are. Arms will get tired. Taking me back to jail and dodge. Well, what do you expect? You murdered two people just last night, tried a third. I just hit Tara down. I don't know as I tried to kill her. You must have known I'd come after you. Well, I figured maybe you'd start tracking me toward Texas. <laughs> I didn't give you credit to think of my head in Grabbling. <laughs> I guess the joke's on me. Yeah, I guess it is. You know, I don't understand what goes on inside you, Grace. There's no point in my getting riled. You got me cold-decked. 
Someone told me earlier you were just a shell, that you were empty inside. By heaven, you are. You're crazy, Grace. Just mean, pure crazy. It's you doing that talking, Marshal. Please yourself. In a way, it's all Tara's fault, I suppose. Well, it wouldn't have worked out anyway, like I told her. All right if I light up? Marshal? All right, but watch your moves. Yeah, my makings are in my blue. Don't, Grace! Ah! Ah! <laughs> I, I didn't know Kansas marshals were so fast. A derringer up the sleeve's an old story, Grace. Yeah, but they sure are... Uh, guess I won't go to trial after all. Huh? Huh? No, maybe not. But you're going back to Dodge. Like they say on the posters... Dead or... Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Dead or alive. Marshal Dillon, I want to thank you and Miss Kitty for everything you've done for me since... Since. Sure. Uh, you got everything in the stage, Tara? Yes, Miss Kitty. It's a long trip, Tara. You, uh, you sure you won't change your mind? I think I'll like it back east, and St. Louis won't be as big as all this. Uh, Marshal Dillon will be late into Hayes City if I don't get away now. Okay, driver. Well, uh, goodbye, Tara. Good luck. Goodbye. Well, Matt, she's gone. Yeah. I don't blame her for wanting to leave, Kitty. The West took nearly everything she loved. Her ma and pa and the Kells. And her true love? What, Jack Grace? Jack Grace is no good, but Tara gave him her heart. And she never got it all back. Perhaps you're right, Kitty, but Tara's young. She'll mend. Will she, Matt? I hope so, Kitty. I truly do.
Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Special music for tonight's story was composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Sammy Hill as Tara and John Daner as Jack Grace, with Ralph Moody, Joe Duval, and Viffy Janis, Parley Bear as Chester, and Georgia Ellis as Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Novelist C.S. Forrester saw in the turbulent Napoleonic Wars an ideal historical background for the exploits of a seagoing hero of his own creation, Horatio Hornblower. And now every Friday night on most of these same CBS radio stations, Michael Redgrave stars as Horatio Hornblower. Clancy Cassell speaking, and remember, Tarzan brings you his adventures Saturday nights on the CBS Radio Network. you'll hear James Stewart as the Six Shooter, just one of many fine programs brought to you each week on NBC. Tomorrow night, there's top comedy entertainment with the Bob Hope Show, the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, and Can You Top This with Senator Ford. Bob Hope delivers rapid-fire comedy routines, while Phil Harris and Alice Faye bring both mirth and music. It's a great Friday night lineup of comedy programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the sick shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle unmarked. People call them both the sick shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the Six Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. weren't exactly lost, scarring me. Well, uh, not completely, anyhow. I had a sort of a general idea of our whereabouts, but I must have taken the wrong turn back at Glen Forks or we'd have reached Minton by now. The trouble was I'd never covered the southern part of the state before, and so for the last half hour, I sort of kept my eyes peeled for a ranch where I could get my bearings. 
Hadn't spotted any signs of civilization, though. There didn't seem to be any settlers along the trail. And when I finally did come within sight of a house, I almost missed it. And Scar, he didn't. He was thirsty and he could smell water. What's the matter, boy? What's the matter? What? Oh. Oh, oh, here it is. Oh. It was about a quarter of a mile east, nearly hidden in a clump of cottonwoods, and large, rambling, two-story building, sort of gray-colored, like it had been white once and needed a coat of paint. Ah. I began to wonder whether anybody still lived here. Easy, boy, easy, easy now. The steps leading up to the porch were cracked and broken, and a hole in the side window was stuffed with newspaper to keep the wind out. Hello? Anybody home? Who? Who is it? What do you want? Well, just some directions, ma'am. I'm looking for a trail to Menton. Oh. Just a minute. Trail to Menton, you said? Yes, ma'am. You should have turned east at Glen Forks. Oh, oh, I see. Trail past here is the old one. It's four miles longer and nobody uses it anymore. I see. Well, as long as it goes to Menton anyway. Four miles longer and nobody uses it nowadays. Yes, ma'am. Still, it'd be shorter than going all the way back to Glen Forks, wouldn't it? I... I guess so. Yes, well, thanks, ma'am. Oh, oh, uh, oh ma'am. Yes? Uh, you don't have to have some extra water, do you, from a horse? There's a pump out and back. I'll show you. Oh, no, no need for you to trouble yourself. I'll find it. Come on, Clark. No trouble, mister. Uh, uh, Ponsett, ma'am. Britt Ponsett. Ponsett? I think I've heard my husband speak of you. Oh. You can use that bucket. Oh, here it is, thanks. We've had a dry summer, very dry. It may take a while for it to start drawing. Sure, sure. Britt Ponsett. I'm certain the general mentioned your name. The general? I'm Hannah Guilford, General Guilford's wife. Oh. Oh, well, I'm very pleased to meet you, Mrs. Guilford. Then, then you do know William. I knew him, yes, yes, ma'am, I... I knew him when he was in command of Fort Clark. That was a couple of years before he... Fort Clark. I wasn't with him there. William thought it would be too dangerous. Indian. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The general will be very pleased when I tell him to stop by. He... He's taking a nap he now, and I'd hate to wake him. But if you're going to be in Minton, well, perhaps some other day... But... Uh, uh... I, I don't quite understand, ma'am. I, I, I thought that I, I mean. You don't believe me, do you? You're like all the others. You think he's dead. You think the Cheyennes killed him. No, no, Mrs. Gilbert. I, I tell did, you, I he's alive. General William Gilbert's still alive. Well. Anna Guilford wasn't the first woman to get rocked off balance by the shock of her husband's death. I was kind of surprised that she wasn't over it by now. It's been five years since the massacre at Red Hills. Five years since William Guilford and his cavalry regiment have been wiped out the last man. Easy, boy. Easy. Oh, I had enough? All right, come on. Anyway, I led Scar away from the pump. My started to climb into the saddle. Just then, the front door opened again. 
Huh. She looked different now, somehow. Clear-eyed, calm, sensible. Mr. Ponsett? Yes, ma'am? I wonder if you'd do me a favor. Well, I'd be happy to, Miss Guilford. I've made a list of some supplies I need from Trailer's General Store in Minton. Would you ask Mr. Trailer to bring them out first thing in the morning? Oh, certainly, ma'am. Here. My husband and I were planning to take the buckboard into town this afternoon, but I don't think he's up to the drive. This way you'll save us the trip. You sure you don't mind? No, no, not a bit, not a bit. Bye, Miss Gilford. Bye. Don't forget to tell Mr. Trailer first thing in the morning. That's when I want them. Well, she's not getting this stuff first thing in the morning or any other time. No? I can't go on supporting Hannah Guilford for the rest of her life, Mr. Ponsett. You can see that. Sure, sure. I know the general was a hero, give his life fighting for the rest of us, but there's a limit. Uh, Feeding her ain't enough. I have to send food for him, too. Yeah, well, I'm afraid I don't understand, Mr. Trailer. Well, look at this here list of hers. Yeah, right here. Two steaks for the general. You know how thick to cut them. Oh, I see. Well, I'm not saying don't feel sorry for her, living out there all alone, cooking meals for him. There's talk she even sets his place at the table. Well, what are you... But she's carrying on like this for five years, Mr. Ponsett, refusing to believe that he's dead. Pretending that we're the ones who are crazy because we tell her the truth about him. Mm-hmm. Now, now, we all thought, the folks here in town, that is, we thought she'd come to her senses long before this, but she don't. She seems to get worse all the time. Oh, well, that's too bad, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and it's not good for the town, either. Well, how's that? Well, you know how kids are. Oh? Uh, they get ideas. Well, some of them have been sneaking out to the Guilford Ranch, and they claim they've seen the general's ghost. Oh. Yeah. Next thing, it won't be just the kids who are talking that kind of foolishness. Mr. Ponsett, I've heard her carry on a conversation with the general. Is that so? Yeah. Sometimes when I come up to the house with a load of food, she's chattering away like he was right there in the same room with her. Gives a man a peculiar feeling. That's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah, sure would. You don't think it's wrong of me not to give her the grub? No, it sounds like you've done about all you can for her, Mr. Trailer. Besides, it ain't just the food. It's a six-mile ride out there. And I have to close up my store while I'm gone and lose all that trade. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Why, you... Oh, what's the use? I keep saying I won't do it again. Keep telling myself I'll put my foot down for good and all, but I never do. I get to thinking about the general and how much we all owe him. And then I get to thinking about Hannah, too. How pretty she was when they got married. She was young and pretty. She was a lot younger than him, you know. Only about 20 at the time of the wedding. Let's see, that was 17... No, it was 18 years ago. 18? Well, it... you mean she... What did that make it? You mean... You mean she's only 38 now? Yeah, somewhere's in there. Or not mm. much older, anyway. You wouldn't think it to look at her, would you, Mr. Ponsett? You wouldn't think she was once the prettiest girl in Minton, now would you? Uh, I guess she's been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I guess she has. Well, I suppose I might as well start getting her order together. If I have it all ready to take out there in the morning, I won't miss much business. 
<laughs> fact of the matter is, I won't miss any business. <laughs> Seems how I got the only general store here in Minton. Say, if it'd be of any help to you, Mr. Trailer, I could drive out to the Guilford Ranch tonight and deliver the supplies. No, 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 no. I wouldn't want to put you out. No, I haven't got anything else to do. The cattle I'm waiting for haven't showed up yet. Probably won't be here before morning. Well, if you're sure it won't be an imposition. No, not all. No, I'd take it myself, but after seven before I close up, and then by the time I had supper, it makes it so darn late. Sure, I understand. It'll only take me a few minutes to fill her order. Oh, uh... Why don't you just dip into that cookie barrel there while you're waiting? I left Scar at the livery stable, and Trailer loaded the grub for Mrs. Guilford into the buckboard. And I started off for the ranch. Come on. The sun had gone down by the time I got there. It wasn't dark yet, though. You could still see yellow and red over behind the mountains. But the evening star was getting brighter and brighter. Whoa, whoa, whoa now. Uh, I thought, sure, I... She must have heard me when I drove into the yard, but the front door hadn't opened yet, so I climbed off the seat. Walked up those broken steps onto the porch. And the next thing I... Oh. You can't live on charity forever, will you? Gotta do something about the ranch so it'll find some way of getting it in shape again. You got to have money. I figured it was one of those conversations Trailer had told me about that Hannah was talking to herself, pretending her husband was with her. And I I felt kind of peculiar, too, the way Trailer said he felt. And I raised my hand to knock, and then all of a sudden I heard something else. Something that told me I'd figured wrong. Don't you think I know how long it's been? Five years, you call it. To me, it's been 50. Well, there wasn't much doubt about who that voice belonged to. Even though I hadn't heard it since Fort Clark, Hannah Guilford wasn't pretending. And she wasn't talking to herself either. She was talking to her husband. We'll return to James Stewart as the sick shooter in just a moment. It is the busy folks, particularly, who should listen to this bit of advice from the American Cancer Society. Regular physical examinations are important in the fight against cancer. Medical science today can cure many cancers if treatment is started soon enough. In other words, to cure cancer, it has to be discovered in its early stages. Regular physical examinations are one of the best ways in the world of detecting the condition in time. Another way is by knowing cancer's seven danger signals. If you'd like a free list of them, plus a lot of other life-saving information, write today to the American Cancer Society in care of your local postmaster. Providing information to fight cancer is part of the American Cancer Society's job. Other vital parts of its job are to provide research, education, and service to cancer patients. You can help in the fight to beat cancer. This is Cancer Control Month by proclamation of Congress. To help... Please send a contribution now to Cancer in Care of Your Local Postmaster. Now, Act Two of The Sick Shooter, 
starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. Well, for a minute or so, I just stood there in the Guilford porch listening. Like everybody else, I thought General Guilford was dead, that he'd been killed by the Cheyennes when his regiment was wiped out. Why, there was even a monument to him in the cemetery in Minton. I'd seen it that afternoon. There's a road path there. You know as well as I do, Hannah, we can't sell the ranch and we can't move away. If we were foolish enough to try that... Well, whatever the explanation was, it didn't need to concern me, and I turned and started for the buckboard. Right then, one of those cracked porch steps decided to give way. Well, I managed to keep my balance, but I'd made enough racket to drown out half a dozen conversations. Oh, uh, Mr. Ponson. Oh, uh, evening, ma'am. What do you want? Why did you come back? Well, I uh, brought the things you ordered from town. I thought I'd save Mr. Trailer a trip. Oh, I... I told the general you were here this afternoon. I, I was just talking about you, as a matter of fact. Yes, ma'am, I know. You know. I heard you, uh, and the general. Oh. Here, I'll help you get this stuff unloaded. Never mind. What? Don't bother with it now, Mr. Ponson. Just come into the house, please. Now, look, Mrs. Guilford, I didn't mean to be eavesdropping It doesn't here. matter. Somebody was bound to discover the truth. I thought it would happen before this. I almost hoped it would. This way, Mr. Ponson. Yes, ma'am. I followed Hannah Guilford through the front door... The general was sitting on the horsehair sofa. He hadn't aged at all since I last saw him. Funny, the years had speeded up on his wife, but they'd stopped dead still for him. And when he saw me, he got to his feet and he slipped on an army blouse. And even though the cloth had been patched and mended a dozen times, the jacket was still neatly pressed. It still looked military. Hello, Britt. General? He heard us talking, William. He heard your voice, too. I see. Why did it have to be you, Britt? Well, I, I don't quite understand. Anybody else? People would say it was their imagination. Or they'd heard a ghost. But they'd never say that Britt Ponsett was imagining things. They'd believe you if you told them I was still alive. Oh, you... Never know what people are going to believe, General. What difference does it make now, William? Somebody was sure to find out sooner or later. Be quiet, Hannah. I, I want to think. There's nothing to think about. We have to face the truth, that's all. We? I'll stand by you. Always have, haven't I? Yes, my dear, yes. You, you've been very loyal. But I'm the one they'll court-martial. Not you. Court Not both of us. Court-martial? The army doesn't look very favorably on desertion, Britt. Oh, it was an accident, of course. I, it wasn't intentional. It shouldn't have happened, I know, but my being there wouldn't have made any difference. They'd have all been killed anyway, and me along with them. I see. You weren't at the massacre then? No. I hadn't been feeling well for several days. I didn't know what it was, and the army doctor with us hadn't been able to help me, so I was riding for Browning when, when it happened. Yeah. If I had expected the Indians to attack, if I had had any idea there were so many of them, I would never have left my men. The scouts told us only seven or eight hundred. They said the Cheyennes were breaking camp, preparing to withdraw. 
If I had known there were so many, I would never have left. Yes, but I... How do you think I felt when that corporal caught up with me? The only man who escaped the slaughter. How do you think I felt when he told me what had happened and then died in my arms? Yes, well, maybe if he hadn't died, he'd been able to get help. I went back to them. Back to my men. I saw what had happened with my own eyes. It was horrible. Mutilation. Awful. They were my responsibility, but it wasn't my fault. It wouldn't have made any difference if I had been there. But you should have explained it to the army. I was going to. I wanted to be sure that Hannah understood first. That she was prepared for the shock when the news came out. Then... Then by the time I got there, it was too late. Too late? They were saying I was a hero, that I had died with my men. And if I had gone to the army, if I had told them my story, I wasn't sure they'd believe me. They might think I had deserted in the face of enemy fire. There was no one to back me up, no one. I couldn't go to the army. It was too late. I couldn't go to them. So you just stayed on here hiding. You don't know what I've gone through. Oh, I've had my punishment worse than any court-martial could give me. Living in darkness for five years, never seeing another person but Hannah, never talking to anybody else. Five years without smelling trees or feeling rain or having a cavalry horse under me. But your wife kept claiming you were alive. You knew that, didn't you? Of course I knew it. It was part of my plan. We had to have food enough for both of us, clothes for me. That was the way Hannah could get them. I say. Tell everybody I'm alive, I said. Tell them I'm here with you. They'll only think you're crazy. Even if they should see me, if they should stumble onto the truth, they'll never believe it. My wife is a good actress, isn't she, Britt? But no longer, not anymore, William. What do you mean, my dear? Well, you said yourself folks will believe Mr. Ponsett. I said they would believe him. Would? Turn up the lamp, Hannah. My eyes aren't as good as they once were, Britt. I guess eyes need lots of daylight. Well, uh, I... Please, uh, don't go yet. What's that gun for, General? A man changes a lot in five years. Some men do. Five years ago, if I had been forced to go back to the army, take my medicine, I'd have been able to do it. But now I can't, Britt. As miserable as I am here, as terrible as this life is, I won't give it up. Put it away, William. Put the gun away. If you fire, if you shoot Mr. Ponson, I'll know that you've lied to me all these years. It was your fault. The massacre, I'll know that you really are a coward. Go into the other room, Hannah. This does not concern you. Not concern me? I loved you, William. Even after you came back, after what happened, I still loved you. Now I know, tonight I know, I don't love you any longer. Any more than you love me. Hannah. Look at me, William. Look at my face, my hair. These five years have done that to me. You've done it to me. You mustn't upset yourself, Hannah. Another year or two, we'll be able to leave Minton. Live somewhere else. People won't recognize me then. People will always recognize you. Why do you think you haven't aged? Why do you think you look just the same? It's so people will always be able to tell who you are and you'll never feel safe. That's your punishment, William Guilford. I'm leaving now, General. No, Britt, you're not. Go ahead! Kill 
same. What's one more life to you? What's one more life to a man who left a whole regiment of soldiers to die? Your husband's not going to kill anybody, Mrs. Guilford. He said he'd changed in the last five years. Well, I think he has changed. I think he's become such a coward that even the sound of a gunshot would scare him half to death. Brent! being particularly brave walking out in the general like that. You can pretty much tell what a man's gonna do when he's holding a gun. The way his eyes look at you. And Guilford's eyes weren't staring at me like he meant business. I started to close the front door and I just glanced back over my shoulder as I did it. Guilford was walking up the stairs. He was almost at the top, and then all of a sudden he kind of stumbled. Guilford! Oh, William! Oh, William, my doctor! Mr. Ponson, get a doctor quick! I'm afraid it's too late for that. No! No, it can't be! Better let me put him on the sofa here. William! You have any brandy, Mrs. Gilbert? Here now, now. Miss Gilbert. Brandy? Yes, ma'am. I think so. On the sideboard. All right, I'll get it. Yes, yes, give William some brandy and then he'll be all right. Be all right, won't he, Mr. Ponsett? Here, drink this. Me? But I, I'm not sick. It's William who's sick. It's William who needs the brandy. The general's dead, Mrs. Gilford. No, no, you're wrong. That's just what people think. That's what we want them to think. But he isn't dead. He's here with me. He lives here in this house. Well, you've got to get a hold of yourself, Mrs. Gilbert. Why do people keep saying the general is no. dead? Come on, get a hold of yourself stop, here. Stop Come shaking on. me. Stop it. But I didn't stop. I went right on shaking you harder and harder and harder until I thought you were going to faint. And then... For a... For a second, she went limp and let out a pitiful little moan. And then she straightened up and her expression changed. It was sort of like a window curtain being pulled back from in front of her eyes. I'm... I'm all right now, Mr. Ponson. Well, I'm, I'm sorry if I hurt you any. You had to do it. You hadn't. I don't know what would happen. Well, you, you'd better ride back into town with me and spend the night in there, and we can send somebody back here to take care of the general. I can't, Mr. Ponson. I just can't let folks find out about him. Yeah, well, I'm afraid it's got to come out now. Everything? That he... That he left his men to die at the massacre? That he was ashamed to admit it? That he's been hiding here ever since? There's some way we can leave him as he was. Any way at all. Well, I... I don't know. I just... Under the circumstances, it'd be Not pretty myself. hard to... I don't care what happens to me. What they say about me, but he... The general had been a good soldier once. A fine soldier. 
good will it do to destroy that? Well, I know, but I... It's just... Oh. Uh... Here, you, you'd better be careful there, Miss Guilford. What? Well, that table with the lamp on it, you almost knocked it over there. Oh. And, uh... If the lamp should get broken... You know, this whole place would probably go up in smoke before we could do anything about it. This wouldn't matter. The ranch doesn't mean anything to me. Not now. I could never live here again anyway. Yes, well, uh, all the same, we have to be careful. You know, fire is very dangerous. Yes, yes, it is. Fire. Now, here, now, what are you doing? Now, put that lamp down. Fire. Fire. Come on, come on. Better hurry up and get out of here. Come on. Of course, they found the general's body in the ruins, but they didn't know who it was. And the report got around that it was a tramp tried to force his way into the house and she'd shot him. And the fire had been started during the scuffle. Everybody seemed satisfied by that. And, uh... As long as nobody asked me, I didn't feel obliged to volunteer any additional information. The next time I came back to Menton, I... By George, I could hardly recognize Hannah Guilford. She, she was working in Trailer's General Store. And, uh... Oh, she looked a good eight, ten years younger than she had before. There was even talk about her and Mr. Trailer getting married. <laughs> Seems that uh, after the fire, well, she sort of got a hold of herself and faced up to the fact that the general was dead. At least that's how Trailer explained it to me. He said that the, the tramp breaking in on her has done some good. He showed me the fellow's grave. It was right in the shadow of the monument to General William Guilford. Transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Parley Bear, and Robert Griffin. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlin, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Oh, by the way, you'll be interested in knowing that the sick shooter has been chosen for broadcast to our men overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Services. This is John Wall speaking. Tonight, play Truth or Consequences with Ralph Edwards on the NBC Radio Network.